Good morning, everybody. It is good to see you today. Stand with us, please, as we worship the Lord. This day we're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens. We want to see you open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise.
God is worthy of all our praise this morning. And as we sing this song, we want to make sure we are singing to the King of kings and Lord of lords because he is the one that is worthy. Before the world was made, before you spoke it to be, you were the King of kings. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. And now you're reigning still, enthroned above all things. Angels and saints cry out. We join them as we sing. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. you, Lord, not just now, but forever and ever and ever. We look forward to the day of spending eternity lifting our hands and our hearts to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, we wait for that day and we praise your name for you are the great I am and our Savior.
Amen. You can be seated, please, as we continue this morning.
take a moment just to close your eyes, maybe lift them to heaven. Just spend a few moments this morning just saying, God, I am lifting my eyes to you and I am praising you. You are my strength. You are my refuge. Always. And just give him some praise this morning from your heart. He is worthy of all of our praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. morning, we have a, um, a special piano player coming up. I'd like you to just uh, welcome Reagan Allen up here this morning. Today is Veterans Day, and we want to honor all of our veterans this morning. And as Reagan is going to be playing your theme song to your branch in the military, we'd like you to stand as I, um, as I call them. Um, this is a day that we are proud of, those of you that have served for us in our free country. So we are going to start with Army. Army, would you please stand if you have been a part or was, and let's give them some honor this morning. Please stay standing. Thank you. Thank you. How about Navy? If you are a member or war member, please stand so we can honor you from the Navy. Air Force, would you please stand this morning so we can honor you, the Air Force. For the Marines, please stand. Marines, please stand so we can honor you. Mary Jane.
And the Coast Guard, if you have been or are a member of the Coast Guard, please stand. The National Guard. Would all the members please, from Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, would you all stand so that we can give you one last applause, please. Thank you, Reagan. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Reagan. Reagan is 10 years old, and uh, she's a patriot already because her mother is a fanatical American. She, Marcy Allen. Uh, she... She's, she's a fanatical American. I got a, call, I got a nice card in the mail from you, Marcy, with a picture of some Air Force emblem on it, and you wrote a nice note to me thanking me for my military service, and I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Please reach in the book rack somewhere near you and pull out one of our little black friendship folders. And if you'll be so kind, uh, in the next few minutes, put your name on that and give it to a person sitting next to you. We'll appreciate that a lot. Uh, Danny and Donnie, come on up here, please, and take uh, divide that with Donnie. And uh, go back through our congregation today and give everybody two of these little slips. Uh, we're getting ready, uh, just in a few weeks, to have our Christmas dinner theater. And we want to help you pray for your friends. Uh, I know you're thinking about the people you'd like to bring from your workplace, uh, your neighborhood. And uh, this year, something brand new we're putting on is a new musical. And it's a wonderful night out. And uh, people will come to an event like this that won't come to a regular church service. And so we put out a big effort to, to, to make this happen. Uh, Put three or four or five names on that piece of paper, people you'd like for us to pray with you about as you go out and invite them. And uh, this will kind of generate some spiritual impact, okay? And then when we receive the offering this morning, put that little piece of paper in there. We'll bring this out on Wednesday night. We'll pray over these names. Maybe you have a coworker that you've been like kind of encouraging them and fostering that. Well, this is a good chance uh, our dinner theater to bring them uh, just one step closer to the Lord. Inside your Sunday Courier, we have uh, our birthday gift to Jesus list. Uh, I have this already posted on my refrigerator. I've placed it in another several places in the house. I don't want it to get away from me. And I want to invite you today to pray over each one of these items because this is our church gift list this year. Now, I know you have one at home, you know, for your family and friends, but uh, this is what our church would like to do for Christmas for people who are serving the Lord. 
And if you will pray the list with me every day, uh, I think that we can raise the money uh, to make this happen. And we do that, first of all, by, uh, by thanking the Lord that we have the privilege to do that. We give more to Jesus than any other single person on our Christmas list. And we pray about our part. Uh, you know, I found out if somebody will just get together with the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? It won't be long until the Lord shows you what he wants you to do. And, uh, and so over the next 10 weeks, we will be gathering this offering into the church. And when you give it, please separate it from your regular gifts. Mark Christmas on there. And uh, pray for the biggest offering that you could, you've ever given at Christmas time, okay? Because this is going to... This is going to take every single person in our church, big gifts and little gifts, okay? Thank you for doing that. Also, our Thanksgiving Eve service is right around the corner. I want to encourage you to circle your calendar. We're going to have communion. Uh, we're going to have a, a great night. And it always makes the next day a little bit more exciting at home when we come together in the church on Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, some of our teenagers are away today. Uh, and they'll be back this afternoon with their, some of their counselors. Not all of them could go. We're thankful for those who are here with us this morning. Let's stand together as our ushers come and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. We thank you each week uh, for your gifts to the church. It, uh, it helps us to move the ministry forward in a pleasing way to the Lord. Dear Lord, we uh, thank you for this day which you've given to us today. We pray now that as we gather in uh, the tithes and offerings of your people, we pray that these gifts will be sufficient to meet all the many needs of the church. We thank you for the generosity of our people, and we thank you, Lord, that we have a job, a means of income, so that we can give today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Satisfied. 
Amen. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? And that the desire of our heart that we'd be hungry for the Lord and that we'd be following Him and serving Him with our lives. And uh, we're glad, so thankful. You know, I'm so thankful for our church. It is a true gift. God has given us something so special up here. This morning, pastors asked me to, to share the message this morning. And I'd like to share with you how that you can make a difference. But as we begin, I, you know, I'm just so thankful for, the, for our church in particular. I'm thankful for the church of Jesus Christ, the church at large that he has given to us, because we need each other. We can't do this alone. We're not meant to be out there alone. God didn't save us and send you on an island. He saved us and put us together in the family of God. And we bear one another's burdens up here. We, uh, we, we rejoice with each other when it's time to rejoice. And um, it's, it's just so exciting to be a part of the family of God, for which I'm thankful to be part of this local assembly, this local uh, believers that gather together weekly and worship our Lord. This morning, I'd like to uh, challenge you that you can make a difference in your life. You can make a difference in the lives of those around you. Um, one of the great concerns that people have in our world today is, are they significant? Will they make an impact? Will they leave a mark on their world? And I think none of us want to live life and not leave a mark. We all want to be able to say, that's where I was, you know. I've often thought, what will be on my gravestone whenever I die, you know? Uh, will be, you know, okay. Will anybody ever come look at it again is what I'm thinking, you know. But, uh, you know, what, what kind of impact will I leave on the world? And that's what I know that most of us, we wonder. What is the significance? How will I become significant in this world? And we start looking at all the, the, our jobs and all the different ways that we can have an impact, that we can become significant. And uh, it is a real struggle out there when we're thinking about how that we can become significant. But I want you to know that God has a plan for your life, that God can use you to make a difference, and your significance comes from Jesus Christ. When we have a significant relationship with God, and He can now pour into your life, and He wants to use you to make an impact on other people in your world, there is just no greater joy than that. Luke 9.23 says this. It says, uh, if, anyone will deny, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. This is what it takes to become a Christ follower. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Let him give up the things of his life and follow me. Another translation says it like this. If people want to follow me, they must give up the things that they want. They must be willing to give up their daily lives to follow me. And that's what Jesus did when he called the, the disciples to follow him. He told them to come, follow me, and there was, they had to drop what they were doing. And they began to follow him. They gave up. There was, a, there was a price that they paid. And the price was many times some of the things that they desired the most. And uh, this morning, I want you to be thinking about, as we think of having an impact in our life, your number one role is uh, having a relationship with God. Your number one role here today is this following and walking with God. You know, when I open up my Bible, God opens up to me. He, it, it, this is His Word. This is God speaking to me. And whenever you have your quiet time, you sit down with God and you let the, the Word of the Lord speak to you. Do you realize how powerful this is? 
This is the God of the universe having an appointment with you. And he says, I want to speak to you today. This week I was hanging out in the book of Exodus. And when I went through there, you know, I've read through the book of Exodus many times. And I've read about all the different plagues and, 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 uh, and, and how God delivered Egypt. I delivered Israel out of the hand of Egypt. I started thinking about my life and how that God delivered me out of different Egypts that were in my life, out of different bondages, out of different slaveries to sin. And God has set us free. But you know what? When you meet with God, this is what God does. His Word comes alive to you. It is, he has a message to speak to you every day. And so when you're reading it, God is challenging you. He's changing your life. He's desiring for you to be a follower of Him. So before we can make a difference in our world, God has to make a difference in us. We have to meet with Him. We have to enjoy this fellowship. We have to enjoy this relationship with Him. And then God begins to work and He begins to use and He begins to make you have an impact on those in your world. No, you may not be uh, on, on TV. You may not be a famous person. I remember when I was growing up, my grandmother used to always tell me that I would be the president of the United States. And I'm starting to believe it. You know, that one day I may be the president of the United States. I remember I was just so proud because my grandmother believed in me. She said that I would be significant. I would make a mark on my little world. Well, I've never had, the, honestly, the desire to, to do anything like that. But God has allowed me to make an impact on the little world that I have. He's allowed me to impact the people that I'm with. And sometimes I have a larger impact. Sometimes I have a smaller impact. Nonetheless, God allows me to make a difference. I have a neighborhood where I can make a difference. I have, I have a family where I can make a difference. I have people that I interact with. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to make a difference. He wants to make a difference in your life. And He wants to use you to make a difference in your world. Now, this morning, I'd like to direct your attention over to Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Luke chapter 5, 17 through 26. And this morning, we're going to read um, about a story of four guys that made a difference in their world. And they had an impact. They, left, they were, became significant. God used them, and they made a mark on the world. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 26. Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Jesus beginning to to sit. uh, Jesus beginning to teach. The Pharisees are sitting by, and they're taking it. You know, the Pharisees, they always had a problem with Jesus. They were the religious leaders of the day, and they always had a problem because he was a threat to their power. He was a threat to them. But Jesus was coming with the best news that he was, uh, the, of who he was. And so he, everywhere Jesus went, there was a flock of people. And you could just see the Pharisees sitting by as these people flocked. Here it says that, that he come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. These pe- there were many, many people there. And the power of the Lord was present to heal. Then, behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they had sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find him, they might bring him in. Because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this? Who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, take your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose. He rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. They, were, uh, they, were, they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. And Jesus goes on to say that the, the faith of these guys was important. The, the, these four men had faith, and God used that faith to make a difference in their friend's life. Wow. This to me this morning is, is, uh, is an incredible story of how that four guys made a difference. Four guys. Their friend is laying on the ground. He is a paralytic. He can't walk. He is, he is lame. He's, imagine his view of life. Everything he looked at was from like this. Everything was from down looking up. Um, not only was he had a physical handicap, but in that day, quite often a paralytic, somebody that had all the uh, health problems of this nature, were disrespected. They thought that there was something wrong with them more than physical, that there was a spiritual condition, that they were outcast. And, and so they were not highly looked upon people at all. But here was a guy that was laying down, and his whole life was on the upward position. He's laying down, looking up. That's his whole view, is looking up. And imagine as he started to think about all the people, he starts to hear that Jesus is coming to town. He hears that Jesus is here, he's teaching, and that Jesus heals people. And now the guy has been laying down for his life, and he wants to be healed. In the worst way, he wants to be healed. And maybe he had a few thoughts of one in his mind, like, well, maybe if I could just get down there, well, just, just maybe God could do something. Just maybe Jesus could make me walk. Even if I had a limp still, it would be okay. Even if I just could do something. And so the the thoughts that start to go into his mind, how that he would enjoy going down. But he had four friends. And the first point I'd like to share with you today is that if you are going to make a difference in your world, you must be willing to let your life be interrupted. These four friends had their life interrupted. And that's the first point on our outline today. I must be willing to let my life be interrupted. If I am going to make a difference, my life is going to be interrupted. These four guys, imagine, they, uh, you know, this was not like a a planned event. Jesus is coming next Thursday at 2 o'clock. No, this was Jesus came into town and this event began to happen. People began to come. They followed him from everywhere and they started the meeting. And so they dropped what they did. Whatever it is that they were doing, they dropped it, and they picked it up, and they went over, and they carried their friend to Jesus. That's not an easy job. That's not an easy task. Four guys picking up this man. I get to see him on a stretcher of sorts, and they pick him up, and they are carrying him over to Jesus. They are bringing him to what he needs most. He needs a touch from God. His body, there was no way that his body would get healed outside of the fact that Jesus met up with him. And so these four friends knew. They dropped everything that they did and they went and their life was interrupted. 
Now, I want you to think with me about something today, about your life, how that interruptions happen, you know? This was a, the most beautiful weekend I ever remember in November, you know? It's going to be 69 degrees outside today. I actually felt the air conditioning in the building. Normally, we don't have air conditioning for this time of year, right? Felt the air kick on. I was like, thank you, Lord. I can live, right? And uh, we're, we're happy. We enjoy it. And maybe you had something planned yesterday. You were enjoying the beautiful day. And all of a sudden, somebody calls you and says, hey, do you think you could go do this? Or, or could, do you think you, you know, it's like uh, Josh Howe. He has a truck. He helps us on the sound back there. And I always say, Josh, you know what? I need a truck. I got to pick up something from Home Depot today, you know? I can just imagine when my, when my phone rings his phone, he must want a caller blocked, you know? It's like, just hang that up. No way. But imagine, here you are, and you're interrupted. You have a plan. You have a mission that you're going about, and you get interrupted. This is what happened to the four guys. They were living their life. We don't know what they were doing. The Scripture isn't clear, but we know this. They dropped whatever it was that they were doing, and they carried this man to Jesus. Um, Jesus' life was full of interruptions, his whole ministry was in a, full of interruptions because he looked at interruptions as opportunities. And for you and I in our life, I want you to think about, about the interruptions of life that God has in your life. You're, you're just trying to go to work. You're just trying to raise a family. You're just trying to do whatever it is that you do. And in the meantime, God puts somebody in your life who needs a talk. God puts somebody in your life who, who has a need. And, and there are all these things that you can do, all these needs to be met. You know, I always say for me that that's like whenever I want to go to Giant Eagle in Finleyville. You know, Giant Eagle of Finleyville is, is for me, my wife sends me down there for a gallon of milk. It's like two hours later I come home. I say, what happened? She goes, you know, she says, what, what, what took you so long? I said, well, I saw this person and that person and this person. And, and, and you know, it's like visitation hour for me because I go down there and I just get to see everybody. And, and it's like, you know, if you, don't, if you don't have any friends, just go hang out at Giant Eagle. You'll make some friends, all right? And, uh, and so I go down there just to get something small. And I'll, I'll come back later and my wife's like, why? All I wanted was some milk to make dinner. And, uh, and I'm like, well, this person had a problem. And this is what happens. We get into life, and there are interruptions. And we don't want to stop what we're doing because it interrupts what I'm doing. Now, catch this. This is the difference. God is doing something different than what you're doing. God has a plan for your life, and you have your plan. But you know what I do every morning? I say, God, here's, here's my plans. But not my plan, your plan, God. So, God, I'm going to go, and I'm going to start marching the way I think you want me to march. But if you give me a different marching order, I'm just going to veer off, and I'm going to march to your orders as the day goes on. And this is how we have to do it. I'm not saying I always am happy at interruptions. I am quite often not happy. Oh, man. Oh, this or you know, and we just go on about all the things that that we should be doing, but we were interrupted by people or events, different things that occur. Jesus' life, he saw every opportunity, every interruption as an opportunity. When the little children wanted to come unto Jesus, he said, "Let them come to me." Some of the disciples didn't think he had time for that, but Jesus said, "Absolutely, I always have time for children." You know, sometimes that that's uh, that we don't always operate that way. The blind man. When Jesus stopped to heal the blind man, you know, that, there, was, there was time. 
He had to stop of going from his path. He had to stop and he had to stop and heal the blind man. The woman at the well. The woman at the well come. You know, he's standing there waiting for a drink of water. And this whole thing breaks out. God had a plan. As a matter of fact, in John, it's, Jesus said that uh, he had a plan that he had to go through. His disciples didn't quite understand it, but he said, I've got to go through there. His life was being interrupted. Uh, when he dealt with the sick people, he raised the sick, helped the sick all the time. Whenever he dealt with people of ill, repu- uh, Ill reputation, uh, these things were the, 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 always about him. But the reason that Jesus never minded them is because they were opportunities. And he stopped and he cared for people. And so as he was going along, he would teach at big crowds and people were always at him. He often withdrew to lonely places to play, to pray, the Bible says. He withdrew to lonely places to pray. But he was with the people and he would minister. He had the vertical going and he also uh, kept on the horizontal, caring for people. My availability and your availability in life becomes God's opportunity to do something great in somebody else's life. Do you realize that? God is looking for your availability. He's not looking for so much my abilities, but He's looking for my availability. I'm so thankful for that because God's not looking for orators. He's not looking for musicians. He's not looking for somebody who can uh, do whatever it is wonderfully. He's looking for somebody who's available. And so today, if you can make yourself available to God's plan, this doesn't mean that we don't plan, it doesn't mean that we don't work, but it means that we have, uh, we have our will second to God's will. God's will has become first. There are a lot of distractions in our life. For me, uh, what, you know, I have the one, one in God's working in my life, there's interruptions, and so many times, you know what distracts me is all my technology. I'm a technology fanatic. I love technology. Uh, I have my f- smartphone. It's my not-so-smartphone, I call it, all right? Uh, this thing acts up, gives me all kind of problems, but, you know, I can, you can text, and some of you just checked one. I saw that, all right? But, you know, you, you, you have a text, and you, you can talk. You can check your Bible on there. Some people put their Bible on there. I have a Bible on here, so sometimes if you see me looking at my phone in church, it's because I'm following the pastor. Just, you know, Yes, all right? You're not texting. We have all these apps on there. We have all this. But honestly, these things get in the way. So many times, all this technology, we have iPads. We have computers. We have, we have direct TV, 140 channels of nothing. Um, we, ha- we have so many things. We have sports. You know, there's a big game on tomorrow night, right? Um, a, lot, a lot of things happening. You know, but when we stop all these things and we, get, we pay attention to these things instead of the things that God's trying to do, sometimes we miss opportunities because God has a big plan. So here was four guys. They carry their friend to Jesus, but have they been distracted by the things of the world, by the things that are just good things, but not necessarily what they needed to be paying attention to, they would have missed an opportunity. Um, Luke 9:62 says this says that no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This was at the end of the passage when Jesus was taught in Luke chapter 9 he's talking about uh, about being a Christ follower and he says you know one guy says I let me go home bury my dad and Jesus says no you need to come follow me and uh, Jesus says to another one uh, another person says I want to I, I want to bid farewell to the people at my house. And Jesus says, no. Um, 
if you are not, uh, no one having his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Another translation says it like this, and I believe I put on your notes there. It says that um, anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I plan for him is not fit for kingdom work. Anyone who's, not, who, who's distracted. So the distractions of life will come in and they will, they, will, they will crowd out. But God has a plan for your life. God has a plan. You have distractions. We have building, building our life, building our wealth, building, uh, building our, our busy, busyness is a big distraction. How many of us have a calendar where you've had a free night in a week? You know, I, I look at myself sometimes and I say, what am I doing? When I was a kid, I used to actually come home from school. Now, kids come home from school and they go right back out. And it's like they come, they go, they come, they go, they come, they go. And it's, we're, we struggle at times just to have a meal together. But busyness crowds out and all the busyness, this is another distraction. I can be distracted by, by my job, by building, you know, by, by trying to be successful in my job. But, I mean, for us as men especially, we have a lot we get so focused on, you know, what am I doing with my career? Well, God is looking here and he's saying, look, those can be distractions. You can get distracted in your life. Don't be distracted. Allow your life to be interrupted with God's will. Think about that. Allow your life to be interrupted with God's will. Um, Jeremiah 1.5 says that, that God had a plan for Jeremiah. Before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. God chose him. And you know what? God has set you aside for a special part. God has given you a special calling in life. Your calling is not the same as mine. I don't work where you work. I don't live where you live. God has placed you among certain people for his glory. So why? So that you can impact your world. So that you can make a difference right there where God has placed you. Secondly, if I'm going to have an impact in my world, I have to change my attitude. I have to change my attitude. I must be willing to change my attitude. Now think about this. Luke 5.19 says, when they, uh, when they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, removed some tiles, and let him, in, let him down in the middle of everyone right in front of Jesus. So here's how the attitude had to change. Not only were they interrupted, they had to stop what they were doing, and they carried their friend to Jesus, but they had hurdles. There was roadblocks. They're carrying this man. He's on the stretcher. They're trying to get him in, and now there are just hundreds of people. They're all packed into this place, and they say, we cannot get through this crowd. What are we going to do? So they overcome the obstacles. They overcome the obstacles, and they say, we're going to go up on the roof and we're going to open up the roof and we're going to let this man down in in front of Jesus. Now you think of all the people that were there, you know. You think of the disciples, what they must have been thinking. Think about Jesus. He's teaching and all of a sudden this distraction comes up, you know. You ever notice when, when a speaker's speaking and there's a distraction in the room? It's like we, it's hard sometimes. A distraction happens. Jesus, you know, speaking and all of a sudden this man is lowered in front of you. Uh, I often think of the guy who was the owner of the building, you know. That would be like Jim Watts, you know. He's kind of the, 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 he's the executive pastor of the church here. He makes sure everything's working all the time for us. Can you imagine uh, somebody opening up the roof and letting somebody down here? You know, imagine, just, just, those of you that know Jim, 
you could hug him later, all right? He'd be having a heart attack, you know? <laughs> They're going, what? And you, know, and you could just hear me on the porch. Well, Jim, he needed to find God, and you know, we want to get him in there. And Jim would be like, we'll find another way, you know? And, uh, but just imagine the people there. These people didn't let anything get in the way of bringing their friend to Jesus. This was the only hope for his life. This was the only hope for him to have his sins forgiven, the only hope for him to ever walk. And so they carry him and they take him in, open the roof, and they lower him in. It was painful. It was hard work, but they did it. They overcame the obstacle. You and I, we have to change our attitude. In Philippians 4.8, we hear uh, about how our attitude has to be on the positive things of God. We have to be thinking about who God is. Whatever things are pure, honest, lovely, of good report, think on these things. So the attitude that the friends had there that day was the attitude that God, was, that, that God wants us to have. There wasn't a way in, so they made a way in. There wasn't a way in, so they made a way. Um, God's attitude must become my attitude. Um, Romans 15.2 says this. All right, Romans 15.2. Let's read this together. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. We're supposed to build each other up in faith. And so this is one of the things I'm supposed to do. We should all be concerned about our neighbor and the good things that will build his faith. You know, I have neighbors. Uh, that, I mean, my neighbors, I, I got, one of them's here today. You know, I have, have quite a few neighbors that see how I live. And my, one of my things I'm supposed to do is care for them. I'm supposed to build them up. My neighbor lives next door to me. He's older. He's 90 years old. We were able to sit down one day and I was able to talk about the things of God. I'm supposed to care for him. And this is what you and I are supposed to do. We are to care for these people. We have to, you know, sometimes you look at somebody and say, they will never come to God. Did you ever do that? You know, you have your list of people. We're getting ready for the dinner theater and you're, you have your list and you, you have like 10 people on your list. And to me, it's always the person at the bottom of my list that I least think is going to come. That's the person that comes, you know. And, but the person at the top, I'm like, oh, we're really good friends and da 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 da, da. And Sometimes they're just busy or this or that. But God has a plan for me to, to keep reaching. And so I shouldn't write somebody off because of an obstacle, because I think they would never come. Do you realize if you would just ask, if we just go out and we talk to somebody, that's the biggest hurdle right there. People don't know what we do up here. <laughs> now think about that. There's places that, that I, I've never been to. And when I go to a new place for the first time, I'm afraid. I really am. I, I went to a, a, a mega church one time. There was like 10,000 people. And my, my kids were just little babies. You know, they were like two years old and four years old. And, and I said, I have got to do this. I'm going to put my kid in the nursery and there's peop- 10,000 people and see if I can listen and pay attention to the message. Do you know, of course, you know, I was still new dad at that point, two and four years old. I wasn't, wasn't used to this situation yet. But it was the first time I really went from here, and I was at this place. It was up in Chicago, and we put our kid in the nursery, and I had the numbers, the buzzers. I had everything, and all I could think about during the whole message was, is my kid really going to be there when I'm done? You know, we didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what was going on up on that hill. So when you have friends and you're trying to invite your friends to church, they don't know what's going on up here. They think, 
all kind of things, right? And I'm sure if you get to talk to them, they'll tell you some of the things that they think. But we have, we've got to help them over the hurdles. We've got to open the roof and bring them down, get them in front of Jesus. Um, sometimes we have to go to their house. We have to go out to Starbucks and sit down and have coffee with them. You know, we have all kind of reasons not to serve. We, uh, we, we don't know what to do. I'm scared. The biggest reason is that, I'm, that I have fear, and sometimes people think that because, because we're pastors that we have no fear. Listen, I think sometimes we have more fear. We just work through the fear. I mean, you know, when somebody, you go to a gathering and they say, hey, the reverend is here, you know? You don't talk about fear. You know, I know Pastor Arnold f- faces this all the time. You know, some, hey, it's the reverend, you know? And, th- and they go and they, you, you feel afraid because you don't know how they're going to take you or this or that. And so we have fear just like you do. Everybody has this fear. We have to work through the fear. We have to change our attitude and go to God. The main reason that, uh, that God works is, is because of his power, not because of my power. Um, Luke 15, 2, we always showed that verse up there. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says, Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Um, Hebrews 12 says that we have to lay aside the weight that is stopping us from doing the work that God has called us to. But lastly today, I want to share with you this. To make a difference, I must be willing to do what I can, when I can, as often as I can. I must be willing to do what I can, when I can, as often as I can. And, you know, God is going to give you all kind of ideas. God is going to prompt your heart. One day God prompted my heart about helping my neighbor do something. I went over and we did that. And it was a big help to the neighbor. God's going to do something for you too. He's going to lay things on your heart. Um, but Jesus did this. And over in Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38, Jesus said this. Let me just read this to you. It says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And and tonight, this morning, I want you to be thinking about a couple things here that Jesus did. Number one, it says he saw the multitudes. Jesus' eyes were open to the people. Jesus' eyes were open to the people. He looked at the people. He saw that they had a need. Number two, he was moved with compassion. He had compassion. He didn't just look and see people that had a need. He had compassion, and this compassion prompted action. And number three, Jesus has asked us to participate. He's asked us to participate. So in your life, there are people, you have friends, you have family, you have acquaintances, and God says that we have got to be like Jesus, and look out there. Jesus said that we're to pray for more workers to go out. All right, that's certainly we do that with our birthday gift to Jesus. We're touching the world. We're praying for these missionaries. God needs more workers to go out. You know, God needs you to be a part of his harvest work. He needs you to go out into the harvest field. He's put you into the harvest field. It's where you live. It's where you work. It's where you interact with people. And so as you are moving about your life, I want to challenge you to have your eyes open to the people around you. 
And then begin to not just look at people, but to be compassionate on them. You know, he says here they were like sheep without a shepherd. Another, another translation says that they were like helpless and hopeless. They were helpless and hopeless. You know, when I think of somebody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, that's exactly what it is. They are helpless and hopeless. Because I've had a myriad of trials and tribulations come my way, and I've had Jesus to carry me through all those. But when I look at somebody that doesn't have this relationship with God, you know what? They are helpless. They are hopeless because when the same tribulations and trials come their way, they fall apart and they can't move forward. Because Jesus isn't there. They're not, they're not, they don't have this relationship. They have no peace. They have no hope. So as we look on, on the people that God has given to you, Jesus has asked you to participate. He wants you to pray. You know, have you ever prayed for a friend and you want them to come to God? And then do you ever pray, God, put somebody else in their life that will reinforce this message? God, maybe, maybe somebody else at work would, would speak some truth to them about the gospel. God, maybe some other people would surround them with the same message. Just in a closing thought here this morning, I want to uh, show you some pictures. I went to Ecuador. In the summer we went, and uh, my daughter had, had a knee surgery, so she couldn't go. So I ended up leaving my wife and my older daughter home, and... I led the group and took my younger daughter. So the missionary down there, Daniel, says, I want you to come back in October as soon as you have two tickets that you have to use. I, I did one of those silly things, you know, where you take a risk and say, oh, we'll never. There, why would I ever need to cancel a flight? <laughs> the group leader had to cancel the flight for his own kid. And uh, so I had a year to use the ticket. So we rebooked a few tickets, and we went down just a few weeks ago here in October. And we had a good time. We visited with the missionaries. But one of the things that we did was we went to this orphanage. We went there two times. The first time, we, we kind of investigated what were their needs. The second time, we tried to meet some needs. But I want to just show you. This is, this is a few sites from there. Go ahead, Vic. If you just kind of scroll through these. They're very neat, very clean. They try to care for everything that's been donated to them. Some of these are clothes that we've been donated. We'll hold on that picture for a minute. This is a little baby here that was abandoned and thrown in the trash. Okay? Thrown in the trash. The police department rescue this baby that was found in the trash and bring it to this home where these people are caring. So they have kids of all different ages, as you'll see here. And then they have this little baby. Broke my heart. As I looked on it, I said, man, these kids are helpless. They're hopeless. And Jesus can meet a need. So it, it began to jerk, uh, 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 make me to um, have compassion. It provoked a response of compassion on these kids. So there was, there was a little child that was thrown out to the trash. Let's keep going there. Um, you'll see the faces. Look, these are kids. These are people that matter to God. You know, God did not not need these children. They were created for His glory, for His purpose, just like you were. And so God put them in Ecuador for His plan in Ecuador. And here I am, I'm visiting, and I get to go in the orphanage, and I see these kids, and I see all these faces. That guy looks like a character there, doesn't he? Go back one. He looks, he looks like he's a lot, lot of fun, huh? We'll keep going there. But there's a, you see these faces, and, and, you, you, and these kids are clinging to you, and they're holding on to you. And several of you have been there with me uh, when we went in June. But here we are, we're, we're, we're looking at these kids, and you can't help. And we'll stop on that picture there. You can't help but say, man, what can I do? 
What can I do? I, here I am. I went to Alicia before we left, our financial secretary, and I said, Alicia, has there, is there any money that was given for the orphans in Ecuador that I can take? And she said, yes, it's about $2,000. So she gave me just a little over $2,000, and we took it in cash, and we went down there to meet some of these needs while we were at that orphanage. This is, they call them uncle and auntie. They are the people who lead the orphanage. This is Pablo and Paola. These people have surrendered their lives. Talk about interruption of your life. They've surrendered their lives, and they're trying to raise 50 kids, basically. They have these kids, and some of them come and go with the different problems. One little boy has AIDS. They have to put him in a special room at night. We got there, and they took us up, and we prayed over him. We shared with him about Jesus. He's eight, nine years old. These people are doing a phenomenal work. They are, they are telling these kids about Jesus. They are loving them. They are doing everything that they can. And so we're standing there, and, and I begin to talk to them. And I said, uh, I said how, can, how can we help you? And they, they opened up the food cupboard, and I opened up the food. And look, and there's about a half a sack of rice left. And if you know anything about a country like Ecuador, they eat chicken and rice today, and tomorrow they have rice and chicken. It's just rice, rice, rice. That's all they ever have. And so the food was going well. I said, well, how do you get food? And she goes, we pray. You know, I was thinking about that here. In, in our country, we pray and thank God for the food. Over there, they pray for food. It's pretty powerful. Let me show you just a couple of things that we bought for them. The, this food picture is there, Vic. Uh, we went through and we bought all these bulk things. We went and I said, I'll take four bags of rice and they got these big bags of rice 50 pound bags of rice threw them in a the truck next picture uh go ahead to the next one and uh one more there and you'll, you'll see that here here we are we loaded this van down we had several hundred dollars worth of food and you should saw that paul and paola uh, pablo and paola they're, they're crying they're crying because you this church from Pittsburgh that they don't even know, God has laid it on your hearts and we carried this gift to them and they're praying and God's answering their prayer. They said, do you think it would be possible we could get some bread for the kids? It would be really a nice treat. So we went down to a bakery and we said, well, we'll buy a slice for each kid for the next 10 days. And so we bought all this bread, paid for it ahead of time. They had it ready to go and they could go and get fresh bread for the next 10 days. Then they said, we'd like to get flip-flops for the kids to wear around the house. I said, well, here's some money for flip-flops. We need to get this fixed. I, I, I felt so good. That was such an exciting thing, you know, to be able to give. And it was, it was a, a real neat opportunity. And then we, we all gathered around, and then I give them this envelope with the rest of the cash. And they're crying because I gave them so much more. They thought we spent it all. I, we gave them all these things, and we gave them another $1,000. And they were so happy. They were just started crying. And they were thanking God. And... And in just a minute, I'm going to show you a prayer that the orphans prayed, thanking God for you. These children were praying and thanking God for you, thanking God for the people who are meeting their needs. So today, I want, I want to challenge you with this closing thought. Number one is this, that there are people in your life that are hopeless without God, and we've got to go to them. We've got to go to them. A simple invite to the dinner theater, that is one step. A simple invite to go sit at Starbucks and talk. To go help them cut the grass. Maybe make a pie for your neighbor. Whatever God lays on your heart. Take that step of faith. Write down those names. Step out in faith. Respond. Don't just see your neighbor that they live there. Don't just see that this guy is at work and he has problems. 
respond with compassion and with the going out into the harvest field, giving him Jesus. Number two, I'd like to challenge you with our Christmas gift to Jesus. Make this the best thing you've ever done. These, I'm showing you, and you're going to see some real life people here. This is why I give to that Christmas gift because God has put it on our hearts to reach out and touch across the globe. I don't understand it, but that's how God does it. God has given to you and this person is over in Ecuador. We have people on that list in the Philippines, in Africa, all over the world that are praying and they're saying, God, would you please, I think in some parts they're saying, would you please send us some more helpers? And God is working in our church. And so he gives you, you ask God, say, God, if I, if I could give $500, God, to the, to the birthday gift to Jesus, I'll give it to you, Lord, if you could provide it, because I want to feed the orphans. I think God loves to answer those prayers. So in closing today, I want to challenge you. Think about your friends. Think about your impact. Make an impact in your world here and make an impact in our globe. We'll shut the stage lights off and we're going to watch this prayer. As we when we receive the donation offerings, we pray for the Lord give more to you. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer, please. As we uh, think about the message this morning, let me encourage you to uh, look into your heart. Just think of the people in your circle of influence, uh, the people you rub shoulders with. Uh, you are to be God's ambassador for them. And so uh, let's do the very best job we can do uh, now at this Christmas time uh, to bring people to Christ, to put them under the sound of the gospel to bring them to the dinner theater, of course, uh, and then uh, do all we can to, uh, to make our birthday gift to Jesus uh, a real tremendous reality. Dear Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have to work together in a church and to reach out and to touch the lives of so many people. We pray that you will move among us now and uh, give us your power and strength to... Uh, to do just as you did, to see the multitudes, to be moved with compassion, and uh, to pray for workers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together as we sing our invitation song this morning. And as we sing this song, if you'd like to 
come and pray, please feel welcome to do that as we sing. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. people said amen. amen turn around and shake hands with as many people as you can in the church today the tickets are available in the foyer for the dinner theater get as many as you can get <laughs>